Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. look at Paul's letter to the Ephesians and uh, yesterday we looked at the prayer that he wrote to them in in chapter 3. Of course the whole theme of this this letter as you've been explaining to us Colin is that Paul is just so desperate for these Ephesians to understand the mystery, the purpose of God uh, in their generation and uh, you have been trying to convey that through your translation, the truth to our generation today. And now we come to chapter 4 and This has a a very poignant uh, meaning for me because when when I came to know the Lord as a young boy, I didn't come from a Christian family, didn't know any born-again believers. It was a sovereign way in which God really uh, brought me into relationship with him. It's not my purpose to give that testimony now. But when he did that, and I was only a young lad, uh, you know, I was given a Bible, and I didn't know where to begin, really, to to um, read the Bible. But God the Holy Spirit took me again and again and again to two passages. One was Isaiah 40, comfort, or in the old translation, which it was then, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God, speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and so on. And, of course, to comfort means to give strength to. And I don't know why uh, God, I didn't know why God kept bringing me back to that scripture. I could not have had the foggiest idea what it meant. But it was as if it was God's word to me. And, of course, um, that has really been the story of my life, that God has raised me up in a ministry where that is what he has called me to do to comfort, to strengthen his people through the revelation of the truth. But the other scripture was Ephesians 4, verse 1. I am a prisoner for the Lord's sake, and I encourage you to live in a way that is worthy of this great calling you have received from him. And it was as if God, you see, put these two scriptures together for me. I I was only, what, nine, ten, something like that, as far as I can remember. But one was comfort my people and the other was live up to this high calling that you've received from God. And I suppose I've always sought to do that. At times, you know, you're conscious that you fail to do it because none of us lives in sinless perfection. But in your heart of hearts, even though we all make mistakes and so on, in your heart of, in my heart of hearts, this has always been my desire. This has always been my intention, and I've never lost sight of that—to live a life worthy of this high calling. So, you know, to me, this is a very personal thing. But of course, God did not put this in the Bible for me; He put it for all of us. And so, whatever the call of God is on your life as a Christian. This is a word for you. Live up to your high calling. You see, because God doesn't have a low calling for any Christian. I mean, we have received a calling from on high, a calling from heaven. It is literally a high calling in that sense. But it's also the greatest possible privilege to have a calling to serve the King of Kings. 
So we can we can all take this scripture very much to heart as a personal word to God that we will live in a way that is worthy of this great calling that we have received from God. Now, how do we do that? And you see this also, God was impressing upon me when I, a, a young lad. This involves remaining humble and gentle, being patient and sensitive to the needs of others out of your love for them. Do everything you can to maintain the unity you have with other believers in the power of the Spirit by remaining at peace with them. For there is one body of Christ and only one Holy Spirit, and we all share in the one hope to which we were called in Christ. There is only one Lord, and we all share in the same faith in him. There is only one baptism into Christ, only one God and Father of us all. He is over all of us, he works through all of us, and his life is in all of us. Now that, of course, is addressed to Christians. But what an amazing few verses. Let, let's just take it phrase by phrase. In order to live up to our high calling, our great calling from God, we have to remain humble and gentle. Pride gets right in the way of the purposes of God because God resists the proud, but he raises up the humble. We have to be patient and sensitive to the needs of others out of our love for them. And especially if you're in ministry of any kind to other people, you know how important that is. Uh, I'm always conscious that whenever I'm called upon to preach or to speak, it must always be in love. No matter what situation you're addressing, no matter what difficult circumstances may have to be resolved, it must always be in love. Now, that doesn't mean that you're always going to be soft, but you sometimes have to be strong. You, you look at the way Jesus spoke to people. It was always in love, but sometimes what he said was very strong. And especially if we're dealing with sort of rebellious and disobedient people, then we've got to be strong. Um, but at the same time, we're being strong in love because our concern is to bring them into the purposes of God. So we're to do everything we can to maintain the unity that we have with other believers in the power of the Spirit. You know, the Word of God divides, divides soul and spirit, divides between those who believe and those who don't, divides between the obedient and the disobedient. The Word of God divides in Scripture, but the Holy Spirit unites and brings us together in the purposes of God. And so the Holy Spirit will want us to, to be in good relationship with one another, to maintain that unity in peace. And that's why it is, it, it is so against the purposes of God when Christians take offense, when they judge one another, when they refuse to forgive, when they leave churches in offense and things like that. Uh, totally, totally against the purposes of God because he wants reconciliation, he wants people to forgive one another, he wants this unity to be maintained. Why? Because there is only one body of Christ, only one Holy Spirit, who lives in every believer, 
and we all share in the one hope to which we are called in Christ. Now remember, hope is what lies ahead in the future, that in the future we are all going to be one in Christ, in heaven, in glory for all eternity. And so God wants that unity to be expressed in the church now because we're looking forward to, to that unity in the future, which is why Jesus prayed, Father, may they be one so that the world will know that you have sent me and that you have loved them even as you have loved me. And then there is only one Lord. It's this unity, you know. We all are part of the one body. We all share in the one Holy Spirit. There is only one Lord. There is only the same faith, only one faith. As, you know, we're all part of, of, of those that are called to have faith in him. There is only one baptism into Christ. You know, when, when we're baptized, we're not baptized into a church or into a denomination. We're baptized into Christ. Uh, only one God and Father of us all. You know, I might not agree in doctrine with some other Christians, but we share the same Father. We're children of the same Father. We have the same Holy Spirit living in us. We, have, we are part of, of the one faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior. So there is only one baptism into Christ, only one God and Father of us all, and he is over us all. He works through us all, and his life is in all of us, all of us who are Christians, born again, filled with the Holy Spirit of God. The same Lord lives in all of us and we live together in the same Lord and he is over all of us he calls us to submit ourselves to his authority he lives in all of us and he will work through all of us this seems so clear and so simple Colin but why do you think there's so many different expressions and interpretations of church through man's sin pride um, and through the disobedience, really, of the church over the years. You see, what has happened in, um, in the history of the church, especially in the last 500 years, is that one sort of church stream or denomination after another has come into existence. Whenever the Spirit of God moves in a significant way, new churches spring up. Now, that can happen for a good reason or for a bad reason. The good reason is that they are needed because the churches that already exist resist what the Holy Spirit is doing, and God is not to be resisted. Uh, it's as if he says, well, I'm giving you the opportunity. Just like Jesus went first to the Jews, Paul went first to the synagogue, gave the covenant people the opportunity to respond to the gospel. If they didn't, then Jesus went out into the fields, Paul went out into the marketplace. And it's, it's like that today, that in every generation, God will always give those who are already, at least in name, his people, the opportunity to embrace what the Spirit is doing. If they refuse, then he will start another, if you like, expression of his body that will be obedient to what the Spirit of God is doing then. But you see, even those new forms of church can become traditional and inflexible after only a few years because God's purpose is always moving on. He's always The Spirit of God is always moving on. Therefore, we've always got to be open to the new thing that God is wanting to do in our lives. And that is the challenge to the church everywhere. You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 